Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, so happy to be back once again. This week will be part two of the podcast with Leo Papil. Very exciting podcast. We talk about his Red Arback stories as uh, well as his time working with the Celtics. Also, his thoughts on ACC coaches, uh, basketball coaches, and what he thinks about them. He's had interactions with all of them throughout the many years he's been part of the BABC program. So a very exciting part two of the podcast with Leo Papil. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the largest fan group on campus. That's the Boston College Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com for more details and to sign up. Okay, first we'll hear from Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Lemon Pizza, and then go right into the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Leo, last couple minutes here. I just want to get your thoughts. You've been around forever, and these are. The, I want to get your thoughts on the coaches who recruit uh, a goal against BC in the uh, the most frequency. Just your one, two sentences on each guy, if you don't mind, Leo. Uh, mm-hmm. Your your thoughts on Coach K? Yeah, he's an iconic figure in contemporary. Uh, American college basketball. Uh, you know, Duke is, people either love or hate Duke, it, it appears to me from my travels. And uh, I guess if you love Duke, you think highly of him. I guess if you detest Duke, you don't. You know, again, I'm not a fan, so, you know, they're just another team to me. And do you have any interaction with him, though, like on the from recruiting your players over the years? Or no, not? I mean, no, you know, like I said, it's like, I try to, Unless someone, we have a pre-existing relationship, you know, through, uh, it, it's, 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 I don't want to spend time on the phone about recruiting life, uh, too many other things going on, and just, they become, unless it's trying to push a kid across the finish line for a scholarship when he's on the bubble in, in April or whatever, to a low-end low D1 school, or even a D2 school in some cases, I'll get involved with that, that stuff, but I, I, I run like that, like I run from the plague, the last thing I need is, these characters calling me up, you know. I hear you. Yep. Uh, Rory Williams. Nice guy. Country gentleman. Gotcha. Uh, Mike Bray. Nice guy. You know, came out of DeMatha, right up the road from where we're sitting right now. My wife and I, DeMatha High School, just rode by it. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, good guy, good program. You know, very kind of a sister school to BC, right? The, 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 last, two, the, the last two Jesuit football powers. Yeah. And he's had a lot of success with New England talent. Mike Bray has. But yeah, Bonzi Colson, National Player of the Year. And he, did, he just signed two New England kids this year. Neither was a BABC kid. Chris Doherty from Marlboro, Pub, 
class, whose uncle I mentioned, Russ Doherty, is a BC alum, class 86, and a, and a, and a kid, Lazuski, from Connecticut, who plays up at Northfield Mount Hermon, the Western Father State. Two current seniors just signed with Notre Dame, so two more mass kids. Wow. In addition to Bonzi Coastal, the National Player of the Year. Yep, I know Bonzi very well. I was a manager for Al Skinner for four years, and Bonzi was one of the assistant coaches, his father. <laughs> he is all a great man, great man. Uh, last two, Jim Beheim. You know, he's ageless, timeless, iconic figure, and you know, Syracuse is like the pro franchise for that region, upstate New York. You know, it's, all I know is walking up that hill, walking up those stairs on a night when it's 12 below zero, which all of us NBA guys have had to endure over the years, is is dedication. So those fans that make that trek and park and walk up that mountain, up the ice and stuff, to, to go watch Jimmy Beheim, he's been able to sustain that now for 40 years. You know, he's, he's a iconic figure in, 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 in central upstate New York that will, will, will live on forever. And then Jim Calhoun. I will say this, and I know Jimmy since 1962 playing pickup ball in, in, in the courts in Quincy and all that stuff. He used to rough me up. He's a little older than me. And, uh, and, and, and I meant that humorously. <laughs> if anyone said in 1960-something or 1970-something, when UConn was a member of the Yankee Conference, where all the land-grant universities, UMass, URI, UMaine, Vermont, UNH, that was their league. And they had an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament in men's basketball. That today, 50 years later, UConn will be sitting on four NCAA championships. I understand he didn't coach the last one. One of his protégés did, Kevin Ollie, but he recruited those kids. But have four NCAA championships, you'd get put in an insane asylum by making that comment. What he did there in the history of basketball, New England and nationally, is the most incredible thing that I think anyone could ever, ever, for, no, no one could foresee it. it just, 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 you know, and justifiably, he, he's in Springfield where he, where he belongs. Yeah, well, side question on that. You're right, Jim Calhoun. What, how do you think he had a lot of success with New England? Jeff Adrian, uh, Napier, the uh, list goes on, Jalen Adams. What do you think G- UConn has done to have success in recruiting New England? Going way back now, I know, Jim Calhoun. Yeah, well, you know, it was always a basketball powerhouse. Uh, one of the great gentlemen and coaches in New England history, Coach Don D. Rowe. Yes. Uh, is still going strong. Uh, was there uh, when I was coming up the ranks, and uh, they've always had an appeal in Boston. You know, and throughout New England and Connecticut is the home state. And, you know, with Jim, they were able to go national and recruit national and the, and the legions of pro players that came out of there. You know, but, uh, you know, the NBC was a phenomenal Big East rivalry. That's one of the prices that BC pays for, you know, abandoning the Big East and going to the ACC for all the good. You know, there are a lot of people that cherish those Big East memories, you know, and they were they were certainly BC and UConn, uh, uh, you know, uh, they went at each other pretty well in that era. Leo, I just want to get to your NBA time as well. Uh, tell us, tell the fans, what who are you working for now on the NBA level? Well, I left Boston in 2012, 16 great years. And uh, since then, um, started a consulting service with my daughter, Brittany, uh, called BB Pros. And currently, uh, Clippers have asked us to do some work uh, contractually this year pro basketball, college basketball, uh, up in the Northeast when I'm here. And then I'll head south in January and down there. So I guess it would be a consulting type uh, agreement. 
company with the Clippers. And uh, like this week, I left out the um, day after Thanksgiving, myself and my little right-hand man, Cotton, my little dog. And <laughs> we were in Brooklyn for a pro game and a couple of college games last Friday, Brooklyn for a couple of college games Saturday, an NBA game in Philly on Monday, NCAA game at Rutgers on Tuesday, NBA game in Philly again, then at Villanova, uh, then at uh, back up in Madison Square Garden Thursday for the doubleheader. Uh, last night, an odd Friday night game here, and uh, my my wife joined me, and we're going to take the long ride up to Kingston tonight to one of those Yankee Conference uh, institutions uh, for that local Rhode Island Providence uh, game, and then uh, be back home uh, tomorrow uh, at some point. So that's uh, that, that's it in the uh, transition to Florida in, in, in January, February. Do some work down there again, NCAA and NBA stuff, uh, but not not at the level of, at Boston. It was a NBA is a long season. You know, I had various titles: the director of scouting, director of uh, player personnel, and uh, uh, executive director of basketball operations, which involved you know trades, uh, evaluating pro players, college players, minor league players, foreign players. Draft summer league, you know, it, 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 and the NBA was an eleven-month commitment. You know, what I do now is it's it, 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 it's just a, it, a lot looser than that. It's just providing information to specific areas that they may need personnel at. Where, where Boston was a it was a daily grind. You know, you're sweating out wins and losses and trying to keep the owners happy and your fan base happy and try to plan for the future and the current and keep your coach happy and all that stuff and you know, keep everything going. I, fortunately, I don't have that burden at this point. You know, I'm an old guy, so uh, that, that's for those younger guys to worry about. But uh, I, I do enjoy the group at the Clippers. They're great people. Dave Wall, uh, Glenn Rivers, uh, Lawrence Frank, all guys I work with in Boston and other places, and great owner Steve Ballmer. But, like, my role is a diminished one, you know, uh, happily diminished, you know, role in just uh, providing any information that we can that can help them. And you got me thinking, too, about your time with the Celtics. A lot of fans will remember that. Um, just talk about Rick Pitino and, and a lot, any Red Auerbach stories when you first got there. I, I know he was. Oh, the, yeah, that was. You know, I don't think anything could ever top. And the last four or five years of his life, um, he, we were. Uh, he was still around and, and active. You know, he'd come around and he'd say, "Look at kid, you better when you come to DC, you better call me." Of course, George, his 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 people, his greatest love in life were his family. George Washington basketball and the Celtics third, and, and he loved the Celtics with every bit of passion anybody could. DC was always his home. He, he, he only stayed in a hotel in Boston. He always kept his home in DC. Raised his family there, and, and, and he stayed there his entire life. And actually, you know, passed away in DC. But those last four or five years of his life, when uh, we were with Boston, it was just nothing I look forward to more than getting on that shuttle to Reagan, out of Logan. In the first couple of years, he was still driving. He'd be waiting outside, picking me up, and we'd go on a tour for the day, go eat, go here, go there, go see this guy, go see that guy. He was from an era, the greatest generation that I cherish. And just being around him was uh, was special. The basketball aside, World War Two stories, and I remember one time we were playing BABC at Georgetown, right, my first year, the summer '97, in a tournament. He said, what the hell is this? I said, well, I said, yeah, coach, can he come down? He sits on the bench. And I said, coach, do me a favor. Talk to these guys. He said, what the hell am I going to talk about? Them? They don't know me. I said, not important. He gives this talk to the kids about when he was a 
class kids, first generation immigrants, what have you, they have a whole lot of money. It's the depression, so they has to have to, had to raise money. He said by you know to get the baseball you know, gloves and their football helmets and all that stuff. And he said that they would have dances every Saturday night in Brooklyn, and, and he would run it. And, and, and he said the girls always get in for free, and the guys would pay ten cents. <laughs> but the one issue was they had to pay the band, and that that would end up breaking even or just barely making money. You know, so so they came up with a, a scheme that every night, you know, lights out with midnight. They play in the Jewish community center, the or CYO Hall, or you know, Catholic school would have a little auditorium. This is in Brooklyn. At about five minutes to twelve, a guy would come up and say, "Ah, back, you bastard!" Punch him in the head, and they'd start fighting. But it was all a, a scam. Everybody would go scattering, including the band. You know, and then they said, "What the heck? What the hell? Oh, we had that fight. I'll give you that money." And they, they got away with this for years. And he said, "Alan King, who became a tremendous comedian, uh, Las Vegas headliner, all that stuff, later in life, cornered him one day and said, oh, back, I finally realized that all those fights you'd pull up, we wouldn't, my band wouldn't get paid." <laughs> and he, he kind of, and they got a, they got a big laugh out of it. But <laughs> it just shows how brilliant the guy was. He had, they, you know, they had a. They couldn't rub two nickels together, so they had to do what they had to do to get that money for the Penguins. And when he told that story to <laughs> our guys, these 18, 17, 16-year-old kids in 1997, yeah. he, he had won their hearts forever. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah. those type of stories are timeless, right? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, and then the guy right up until the end, he was just a good friend and, and, uh, and uh, just cherished the... You know, forget about the basketball, just being around the guy. I remember going up to his room one time and house in D.C. right at Massachusetts Avenue. He kept this, he had stayed in an apartment his whole life and his wife had passed and, and, and the girls were out where his daughters, you know, called them his girls. They were living out in L.A. and his room was like a museum, just a museum to me of, of contemporary, you know, middle 20th century American basketball. The guy was just a, just a, he was a leader. You know, he was very proud of his naval service in World War II and, uh, you know, just didn't make a whole lot of money with basketball most of his life, but he was a competitive guy, and just uh, his roots as a first-generation immigrant. His family came from Russia, Brooklyn, and his time at George Washington was his was his time. That, that he, 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 he right to the you know his last day, he was a GW proud alum and, and, a, and a resident of, of DC, and, and just a you know one in a million. You know, it just was a that was probably my greatest take on the early Celtic days. You know. Patino was only with us for uh, three years. You know, he got stuck the lockout year, year two, and he decided it wasn't for him. And we were fortunate, Jim O'Brien, not the BC, the, the St. Joe's Jim O'Brien. Yes. CG, in the basketball list, they both graduated college the same year. Well, actually, BC Jim O'Brien was 71, and St. Joe's uh, Jim O'Brien was 74. Uh, uh, he took over, and we had some great success. Chris Wallace was the GM. I was the player personnel guy. We were partners. Chris is now the president of the Grizzlies, general manager of the Grizzlies. So those were, those were fun times. And then the ownership changed, and Ainge joined, joined us as the head of basketball. And it was just an all-time character. One of the, think about Ainge, one of the great athletes of his time. You know, people remember he was in the major leagues at 19, and you know, leaving uh, Brigham Young uh, in the spring to play minor league baseball and major league baseball, playing four years at Brigham Young. What people don't know that. He was recruited by USC as a quarterback by John McKay uh, in, in that era where USC football, you know, the 60s and 70s, 
O.J. Simpson, your Anthony Davis, multiple Heisman Trophy winners, you know, and they were national championship contender, a Pac-8 at the time, you know, contender every year. He turned down football there, as and, 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 he, and he had the uh, Oregon record in the long jump. And it's track and field. The guy was one of the, arguably one of the greatest high school athletes of all time, certainly the 20th century. Wow. And he had, and he had a distinguished NBA career, 16 years as a player. Journeyman player on great Celtic teams early on, then was in a Portland team that made the finals, a Phoenix team that made the finals, and uh, coached young in the league. Coaching wasn't for him, went to an administration, and had a great run here in Boston. So working with him was was, was, was a lot of fun as well. His son, Austin, who's uh, there as well, Mike Zarin, all those guys. In fact, I was texting those guys last night from Maryland, just you know, the, some of the greatest friends I have, the guys of Boston, you know, and, and the really good people, guys you can have a lot. Sometimes in my Clipper duties, I'll go to a Celtic game to evaluate their opponent, you know, for the Clippers or what have you. You know, advanced scouting would have personal scouting. And I was going into the other day, and they said, we don't want you coming around here no more. I said, why? So you don't bring cotton. That's a little dog. They said, want me to bring him to the garden? They said, yeah. So, it's, you know, it's all sort of tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, we, those guys do a great job, and right now they're having some well-deserved success early in the season, and I wish them the best. You do. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Do you, do you like the way the team is shaped for a good run here in the next Anytime couple of years? Anytime you've got young kids playing and winning, there's nothing better than that. And, and they got young kids playing and winning, so there's nothing better than that. And, you know, just as you were talking, you see your love for the Celtics, just in general, it's, it's really like your career. I, I say love for those guys. I, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. You know, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble. If those guys were had a team in the moon, I'd, I'd like them. You know, yeah. I'm, I don't believe any color. I try to stay neutral as a fan. You know, but those the individuals, those guys, like I said, if they were coaching a team from the moon, a softball team, they'd be my boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, it's, it's, it's interesting. Your career really came full circle growing up in Boston and then working uh, for the team you grew up watching. 16 years there. and happened to get a championship team in 08. Almost silver medal in 2010, and a conference uh, finalist in, in, in 03 in a tough, tough uh, 02, tough, tough seven game series against the Nets. Uh, you know, so it was um, Lakers went on their three peat that year, and we had beat the Lakers twice in the regular season. I don't think we would have beat them, but it might have been an interesting finals. But it was a, a long run there in Boston. It really, uh, but it, again, that NBA life is other than August, maybe a little bit in September. You're accountable, you know, 300 days a year, and you know, sometimes at that, in, in those era, we didn't have a scouting staff in Boston. We were administrators or executives. We did all the scouting as well, and two or three guys, and you'd be you'd be gone 250 days a year. You're yeah. in Moscow one day, Beijing the next, and then uh, 
at BC, Holy Cross the next night. You know, it just it, uh, and, then, and then at the Clippers against the Warriors the next night. It, there's always some action. There's always a game. You know, and and, and that that's it, it, the years fly by. You know, the guys that do it into their 70s and 80s, God bless them. Uh, I wasn't built for that. Last question to off the court. Talk about your dog Cotton. Every time I've seen you, you with Cotton. Just talk about what the dog means to you, and, and to wrap it all I've up. I've always had dogs. I love dogs. Cotton's a very unique animal in that he's been able to acclimate in a basketball. And again, I'll give you this one. We're up at a Big Ten school on Tuesday, and I, I get in the games early, like five o'clock, because a lot of what we do is just sharing stories, talking stories, what's going on here with the program, this and that. Coaches pregame. Coach says, where's Cotton? He's on the truck. I said, no, go get him. <laughs> get the, the manager's the keys. You're out where you park. They bring him and put him in the office during the game. Last night, get in a Maryland game to 7, about 5 o'clock, one of the assistants comes over. I said, where the hell is he? I said, who? He said, Cotton. I said, he's back at the hotel with my wife. Uh, he, Come on now. You don't, you don't bring this. He sits on the bench in our BABC games. <laughs> and he got a little notoriety in the national media. In the Indianapolis Star last year, we were playing in the EYBL. It's a league we play in. Uh, BBC plays in, in Indianapolis. And the guy, I guess it was the Pacers beat, right? He's looking for an offbeat story. He wrote a story called A Dog's Life in Travel Basketball. And he, he I fixated on him all weekend with photos and his moods and things like that. And, and the juice of it was we had a really tough game, the last game against St. Louis. game was hot and heavy early on, and, and, and he would photograph him, and he was tense in the huddles. And we got way, way ahead down the stretch 20 points and he, he fell asleep on the bench so it, 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 you know anything on the internet now it kind of gets a life of its own and he you know like he gives him a credential to go to the games and he's, it's, it's hologram that's got his name as cotton <laughs> no it says team official <laughs> in case there's any dispute about getting him in the building he, he he's credentialed he's like a media member so he wears his credential and he he sits like when, and when a guy if a guy comes out of the game, a lot of times, you know, he, he come out of a game, it's because the coach isn't too thrilled with you. Like, sit your ass down. He'll jump into the lap of the player that just got subbed and kind of console him. You know, he'll, he'll, you know, whether we got to sneak him in the room or not, he, he gets in the hotel rooms, he'll stay with the guys, the players. And what I tell the players is, I said, look, what does he do every morning? He gets up. He says he does the same thing every morning. He gets up. First thing he does, he stretches. Second thing, he goes to the bathroom. And third thing, he goes and drinks his water and has a little breakfast routinely every day of his life. And we kind of use that as a teaching point to the players and say, look at this little guy, seven pounds. His brain's the size of a, of a marble. <laughs> he, he, he has enough presence to know that he has a long day ahead of him how to prepare properly. He, he does three things, stretch, eat, and take care of his personal needs, <laughs> hygiene, what have you. And, and, and you guys have to adopt that. And we use that as a, and, and you know, like kids are 16, 17, they say, oh, you're, yeah, you're right, coach. Look at them. Every day he does that. So, oh, yeah, there's, there's, he has his favorites among our players. He, he's been, he hasn't missed a game in his four years. It's just unusual that in that environment he can, he can travel with a team and be on a bench in some pretty big-time games. And because the college guys see us play in April and July, a lot of them who are dog lovers will say, I can't believe that. You got a dog. He's like a, an assistant coach. But... He just, you know, whatever fate, my wife found him up in New York from a breeder and stuff like that when he was eight weeks. He just adopted into our BABC family. So that's why he gets notoriety. He's all over the Internet. And he's just, he's, he's a, we're blessed to have him. He's right here with me right now watching me make this, uh, make this podcast. <laughs> well, hey, tell, tell Con we say hello. <laughs> we will, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's heading up to New England today to see his brother and his brother Cliff. My, my daughter Brittany has his brother, so... 
he's looking forward to getting home. He's been on there. He goes everywhere with me. We, we, we like a, by choice I drive. Uh, I'm, I'm old school. So get, I like to get in the truck and, and go. And, you know, we, we had a nice little run this time. We started up in Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, yeah. back up to New Jersey, New York, back down to uh, Washington, U-turn, back up to Kingston today. And he's, he's by my side in that truck the whole way. That's great. That's great. Last question, Leo. Where do we see BABC five, ten years from now? What's your goal with the, the great AAU program that you developed? To make 50 years? Uh, that would be something. Yeah, well go, said. Go 50 years would be, uh, would be good. And you, you, guys have, uh, you guys have 21 national 22, championships. 22. 22, 22. excuse me. 22 national championships. Won three this year. Yeah, we, we won the... Uh, Speaking of, you know, we won the ninth grade AU Super Showcase, which is their primary event, and the 10th grade AU Super Showcase, both on July 30. Both were live on ESPN, you, uh, and my daughter coached both the younger teams, and uh, and uh, I coached the older team. We have a ninth grade team, 10th grade team, 11th grade team. So for the ninth and 10th grade teams, um, we, you know, we, we, we're in good shape the next couple of years as far as uh, being competitive nationally, which is our goal. Well, Leo, thank you so much for your time. We could talk stories forever. It's very, very interesting. I find it very interesting. Um, appreciate your honesty and continued good luck with BABC. You truly are a New England basketball Hall of Famer and an institution. So really appreciate your opinions and your thoughts. All right, Mike. It's good to have uh, younger guys like yourself who appreciate history because it, history humbles all of us because we realize our all of our roles are just in passing. And I was blessed blessed enough to learn that a long time ago we all come and go that's right yep no question about leo thank you again all right my friend you take care take care chestnut hill technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the boston area and owned by bc alum cht provides world-class strategy and consulting to fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout new england and nationally including state street bank Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Well, thank you so much once again to Leo Papil for joining us here on part two of his podcast with us. Very, very exciting, and as always, great to catch up and talk about New England basketball. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Also, if you'd like to join this podcast, Lights, Camera, Sports, in advertising this very reasonable rates, just go to Lights, Camera, Sports, Ads at gmail.com. That's email, Lights, Camera, Sports, Ads, ADS, at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for listening. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.